Hey everyone, my name is Adam Barfoot and welcome to episode 36 of the Counseling and Functional Fitness Podcast. I'm a mental health therapist and I'm also a CrossFit Level 1 trainer. The Counseling and Functional Fitness Podcast focuses on the integration of mental health and fitness. In this episode, I talk with training think tank coach Mike McGoldrick about mental preparation for performance and competition, building confidence, how effort is a choice, and the importance of putting yourself in environments where you can grow. If you have been enjoying this podcast, take a moment to leave a rating and review. I'd greatly appreciate that. I am a mental health therapist working in private practice at New Beginnings Counseling Center in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I meet with clients in person there and people anywhere in Tennessee via telehealth. I enjoy helping my clients build resilience, hope, and courage in their lives. I work with adults and teenagers who are seeking to improve their emotional intelligence, responses to stress, and ways of working through life's challenges. I particularly enjoy working with people who are high performers and athletes who are looking to improve their performance. Improving our mental health directly affects our performance, whether we're on the sports field, in the gym, at home, or our workplace. I believe that you are capable of great things, and I would be honored to be a part of your journey of healing and growth. If you would like to meet with me for therapy, you can follow the link to my Psychology Today profile, which is in the description of this podcast episode, and you can call the phone number on that website to schedule a therapy session with me. Mike McGoldrick, welcome back to the Counseling and Functional Fitness Podcast. You are the podcast's first returning guest, so thank you for coming on. I I really enjoyed our first time talking, and I'm looking forward to this one, too. I'm glad, man. Thanks for having me back. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to see where the conversation goes. Well, let's go ahead and jump right in. And for anyone listening or watching who wants to learn more about Mike and his story and what he does, feel free to check out episode 34 of the Counseling and Functional Fitness Podcast. That is the first episode Mike was on. So, Mike, on the biggest stages of competition, such as the CrossFit Games, how do you prepare your mind for performing? Yeah, um, I mean, that's a good question. I think I've been doing this for a long time. Um, it was this past year was my third time competing at the CrossFit Games, the second time on a team. I've been there once as an individual. I've competed in semifinals or a regional over the last decade almost every year. So I've had a lot of practice with it. So I'm very careful about how I give advice to people that are like getting into competing because it's really easy to be like, just go out and be confident, man. And like, mm-hmm. you're going to crush it. And right. they're like, thanks. That's not helpful at all. <laughs> you yeah. know, they're like, I'm new to this. So like, I try to think as a coach, like what are practical ways I can uh, create scenarios and prepare myself that would carry over into helping coach athletes. So for me personally, what's always worked is I like to focus on what I've done up to this point mm-hmm. and what I have going for me. Cause mm-hmm. it's really easy to think about all the negative scenarios and all the things that could go wrong. And, um, I mean, if I think of an example, like the best example would be the lift from this year. The, um, for the teams, we had to find a one at max split jerk mm-hmm. or one at max front squat. 
and they only gave us two attempts mm -hmm. and that was like I mean that like wrecked people mentally because mm -hmm. they're like you're so used to three attempts and right basically like when you do a three attempt lift the first attempt is just very safe and conservative and it's just mm -hmm. like allows you to like get a number and like not take any you know take all the pressure off yourself but with two attempts it changes the game because you need to hit something but you are only getting two shots so you only have if you miss now you have to consider like all right well whatever number i hit is probably not going to be that competitive so mm -hmm. it's like the risk is just that much higher so you know going into that i had a lot of doubt i was like i know i'm strong but i'm like mm -hmm. you know i'm like older like i've been waiting a long time in the corral like what are we you know what is everyone else going to hit you start thinking of, you just like have this incoming flow of negativity and doubt mm -hmm. and at one point I, I sat and I was like, look, you have to reframe this. And I have to, I have to focus on all the times that I've been successful under pressure in a mm -hmm. high lifting moment or in a heavy lifting moment. I have to focus on all the work that I've done up to this point. So I think the biggest thing was just like sitting down and actually walking yourself through. These are the things I've done to prepare myself to be successful in this moment. And you have to 100% fully believe that. And that gave me a lot of confidence. You know, I knew, all right, up to this point, I've done like 10 different max effort scenarios in a competition where it mattered you know like qualification or whatever was on the line and i've delivered um and i've had years of training experience with preparing for this lift and it's one of my best lifts you know with it being a split jerk so like i just kept focusing on these positives and it, it made me realize like after the fact i was like what were you doing like why would you ever doubt yourself in that moment you know um and it paid off like i ended up hitting one of the bigger lifts and i opened up fairly conservative for myself but after i hit that first attempt i was like all right like you got to go f have fun and play now and like just completely trust yourself mm -hmm. in the moment so i mean i think that that's like that's like one of the big stepping stones for preparing myself in a moment for something where you know like a competition scenario has a lot on the line now leading into the competition itself it's the same concept you know it's like um i'm someone who doesn't like showing up to any type of test unprepared you know mm -hmm. whether it's academics fitness whatever and i think that that's how you prepare your mind to to show up and be ready for you know um something that has a, like a lot of pressure or stakes in the moment and i think that it comes down to making sure you built a plan going in on like doing everything you possibly can to be prepared for that moment because in the moment when it comes down to it and you have to perform you, you're not just going to get lucky if you haven't put the work in right you know like right it's you're going to get exposed on what you actually did up to that point so i think making sure that you actually trained and did the work did your homework prepared for all the possible scenarios so that you can be successful in that moment and then when you look back on like all right i feel confident that i've done these things up to this point to actually get there you'll you'll believe that and it won't be you just kind of like making things up in the moment and trying to you know fake it till you make it like you'll actually mm -hmm. have this instill confidence and you can go and deliver mm -hmm. right and so a few things about what you're talking about and the first one is that in the fitness space I know the phrase mindset or confidence is super common and something I'm aiming to do with this podcast is give people actual tools and actual ways of going about improving yeah. those things rather than just saying, oh, just focus on your mindset. Just just be more confident. But there's something, it's actually in Jason Khalifa's book called As Many Reps As Possible. He yeah. talks about what he calls earned confidence. And that's exactly what you're talking about right now yeah. with, 
with rather than, oh yeah, I got this without any kind of facts behind it, but preparing as best you can for yeah. the test that is coming up. And also another thing, oftentimes I think we become more like the things we give our attention and focus to. And in yeah. that moment, when you had the two attempts, you could have given your focus and chose to put your attention on that, the stress and the nerves of, oh, but what if, for example, yeah. what if I missed the first attempt? And yeah. so rather than focusing on the worries, you gave your attention and focus to, it sounds like, the training you had done and what you had earned to get yeah. to that point. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, you're, you're better equipped in the moment to overcome the momentum from those negative thoughts or mm -hmm. that doubt. And that only comes with doing your homework up to that point. So earning the confidence to believe that and earning the right to believe that. So, you know, kind of like what you're saying with Jason's reference, I've never read it, but I assume that we're on the same page with the thought process is like, mm -hmm. you can't just will yourself in the moment and get lucky. Mm -hmm. You have to do the work up to that point too. So, you know, like, um, that's what I, I mean, that kind of goes into, you know, how I actually help other athletes improve this. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's so easy for, people that are successful and you know that are naturally gifted it's so easy for them to just be like you got to have that confidence you got to make yourself believe in you you know that you're the best athlete and it's like that's great you're super gifted and this isn't helpful for me though i don't have everything mm -hmm. going in the same way that you do mm -hmm. um so as a coach i come up with practical ways and number one is you've got to like leading up to a competition you have to give those athletes opportunities to practice being mentally tough. Mm -hmm. So if there's someone who mm -hmm. is mentally weak in workouts, gets soft when it gets really hard, or you know becomes um, a negative Nancy and starts to kind of like let negative thoughts in come and tell them that they're not doing mm -hmm. well and that stunts their performance, or if there's someone who chokes under pressure in a max attempt, you have to give them opportunities to practice overcoming that before you expect them to just do it on stage all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. So as a coach, you need to make sure that you're exposing them repeatedly uh, up to that point and I think number two is you have to highlight the progress that they've made leading up to that point so mm -hmm. if it's if they got a competition coming up you have to show them look this is how much better you've gotten at these things you need to have confidence now knowing that you are in a chance to in a position to be successful with this perceived weakness and that you know when you actually show them the numbers on paper it becomes reality. It's not like this faith-based thing. It's like, no, like I am trending in this positive direction and I can actually do this. And then I think third is like, you just have to constantly remind them as a coach, like why they can be successful. You know, these are all the things you have going for yourself. This is the work you put in. You've practiced these opportunities. So this is the reminder of like, you can be successful in this moment and there's no reason why it can't happen. Yeah, and helping people kind of build their confidence bank account, if you will, of, yeah. hey, remember, like all, remember all these reasons that you maybe deserve to feel confident in this moment. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of saying it. I like that. And I think, too, that instead of, I mean, I, I was reading recently a book about sports psychology, and it talked about how different a pump-up speech from a coach is compared to a a talk about remember basically your reasons for deserving to be here and yeah. it talked about how 
in in a pump up speech or a motivational talk or whatever it is you go out on the field and or the they play the national anthem whatever it is or <clears throat> in the in the crossfit games from what i understand in the corrals where you're standing for 10 15 however many minutes before you actually go out on the floor that motivation can fade but remembering the truths of the reasons you deserve to be there i think yeah. can go a lot further too and again that that idea of the confidence bank account building that up and and just remembering your reasons that that's really important yeah yeah for sure i mean i definitely i i like that and i agree with that i think everyone's reasons uh, is going to be different. Mm -hmm. And at our stage, you know, like we're there on a team and we're not there to try and contend for a podium spot. We're there because we're an organization that built the team, you know, as mm -hmm. representatives of the community. And like we could have picked, definitely could have picked more talented athletes to be on the team. But this was for us, it's an opportunity to just go and basically have fun as a team. So our motivations were very different. And if we're chasing someone else's motivations, it's very discouraging in the moment, you know, like. Mm -hmm. I'm not out there to try and like win the split jerk event. I'm out there to express my true power and to hopefully look back knowing like I didn't have any regrets or hesitations or doubts in the moment that I like really took advantage of this opportunity of this blessing to be here for the third time and to walk away knowing like this may never happen again. I may never be in this spot again. And I would just want to make sure that I fully deliver on the, on this, on the, like the situation that I'm in and make sure that, I, I delivered everything I possibly had. And that, that to me is my motivation. Mm -hmm. And that is a motivation that goes beyond the competition that you are in kind of at that time. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely shifted over the years. I mean, I'm 36 years old, senior to athletes there by 10 to 15 years <laughs> on some levels. And, you know, why I'm there is very different from why they're there. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it can be a a deeper goal that keeps you going too i mean if your only goal is the podium or to win the competition that you're in then okay that can be a great motivator but there need to be other motivators and and it, well motivations there too rather than okay well what how will you be if that never happens yeah if a yeah i mean yeah, for sure. I mean, life after competition is something to always focus on right. and conversation I have with all my athletes. Um, but I mean, for those that winning is their, is their goal and is their focus, I respect that. And I don't try and change their mind on that, but I do try to help them feel aware that it's mm -hmm. a risk and it can be a very painful risk. Um, because you put basically all of your, you put all the importance on what you do into winning and that comes at a, at a cost, you know, like, um, you get, you get extremely let down, but the price of glory is, is very high and it's a very fulfilling feeling when you get up to the top. So I think that, you know, that's just, those are just different conversations for different athletes. Right. And how do you help your athletes improve their mental performance? Yeah. I mean, I think that goes back to what I mentioned, like leading into a competition, I think mm -hmm. you have to follow those three things. And number one is, giving them the opportunities to actually practice that so you know building that that um that that confidence bank or whatever you mm -hmm. called it i yeah. think i think giving them opportunities where they're tested and then they can reflect and be like all right like this broke me what do i need to change in the process next time to make sure that i actually show up and respond better when i'm under pressure in the moment and mm -hmm. i think that that's not something that you just talk someone through 
you have to let them deal with those experiences and learn on their own a little bit and like that's why like it de- depends on the athlete but when i go to competitions like you know if it's like a novice competitor i try to be a little hands-off like i try to make sure that they're warmed up and prepared so they don't go and like embarrass themselves but i also want to make sure that like they are out there making decisions themselves because if their goal truly is to be a competitor at a higher level they're going to have to learn to make these decisions on their own because they're the ones in control of their bodies at the moment and they have to make these decisions so that's a hard uncomfortable process and you don't want to watch anyone fail or suffer but at the expense of it being something that progresses them towards a bigger position down the line i think it's important so mm-hmm. you know that comes in training and that comes in competition um i think you need to remind them again on why they can be successful you know mm-hmm. and that comes from doing things like highlighting the progress that they've made up to that point on certain things and as a coach you have to make sure that you've done your work to make sure that they are making progress in those things because you can't just make that up you can't be like hey a split jerk max is coming out and we knew a split jerk was a weakness but look look back at your training every week you've gone up you know a couple of pounds on the lift you've had you've had 10 different scenarios where you've practiced this lift Mm -hmm. and i this is why i think you can be successful i think your moment is going to happen when you go out on the floor but you have to fully believe that it's going to happen you know you've done the work up to this point and now there's no reason why you can't be successful and hit that pr attempt Mm. you know that's like an example and i think that that's something that just comes with good coaching and just being smart about how you're working with the person and understanding them and knowing what the weaknesses are and knowing what might hold them back mentally and why they feel that they're not confident in certain things. Right. And I really like something you were talking about earlier about putting your athletes in the position where they can practice these things that they want to build on. And this idea of we can, if there's a character trait we want, for example, courage, we can put ourselves in situations where it is possible for us to practice courage and therefore build more and more courage. And that is super powerful in, in fitness and in sports as well with putting ourselves in the situations where we can put the pressure on ourselves, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. In that book, I mentioned that sports psychology book, the author was talking about a golfer who struggled under pressure in some of the championships or competitions that he was in. And then it was a putt that the golfer missed in that championship. And so the golfer was practicing putting 50 balls at a time. And he was, he was talking to a sports psychologist about how, well, this just isn't working. This just isn't working. So the sports psychologist said, okay, take away 49 of those 50 balls and put that pressure on yourself with having that one shot. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And so putting ourselves in environments where if we want to grow and be better under pressure, practicing putting ourselves in environments where that pressure is on. Yeah. Yeah. I think athletes want the the certainty that bad things will never happen and that's Mm -hmm. just not the reality. But I think you have to know if if I look back and let's say, let's say you fail, you fail big in a moment where Mm -hmm. it mattered. Um, And you're looking back as any smart athlete would do or with your coach and you're reflecting on why it happened and what you could do looking forward to try and prevent that. You have to be honest in, uh, in the assessment to look at what were the moments that I did leading up that would have helped me prevent this happening. 
And if it wasn't there, then you have to you have to change that and you have to be honest. And some people are really they have a hard time being honest with with that. They think they're in denial, like, no, 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 like it, this happened to me. You know, it was just bad luck. And it's like, yeah, but that doesn't really help you get over this potentially happening again. What helps you is trying to be constructive and coming up with ways that you can see where you might have uh, had a shortcoming in terms of your preparation. Mm. Yeah, and that honesty part being super important in the process of reflection of, okay, debriefing what happened and what can, what is in our control that hopefully or we can plan to do better next time. How can we train that? And so training our response again, back to that under pressure part of that. And also being honest about what it is that happened and thinking about what we can do better next time and planning accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Agreed. So it seems that a theme from training think tank is the saying effort is a choice. And I, I really like that a lot. What does that mean to you? To me, I mean, it's going to be something different to a lot of people, but to me, it's, it's, um, the, the fact that there's always going to be things outside of your control. Um, but your effort doesn't have to be one of those things, Mm. meaning that whatever is going on in the moment. And I just, I always like to use competition as examples because competition is when pressure is the highest and that's Mm. when we see people exposed and that's when true character is revealed. You know, you get bad judging or equipment malfunction or the workouts changed or something's modified. I mean, this weekend I went to Wadapalooza and it's Mm. like, Wadapalooza is like notorious for things just being all over the place and chaotic, inconsistent judging, workouts being changed, standards being different, um, weather, like all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I, and the athletes that have this embodied concept of, you know, I'm just going to control my effort and I'm just going to kind of roll with the punches and be adaptive in the moment are the ones that are always the most successful. Mm-hmm. Wadapalooza crushes people that don't have the ability to be flexible when things change in the moment. And mm-hmm. I see this all the time. And like, some people are super good at fitness and are very talented and very athletic, but are awful at CrossFit because CrossFit is chaotic mm-hmm. and they just can't, they can't adapt quickly mm-hmm. in the moment and the change. I've seen meltdowns in competitions. I've been guilty of it myself. Like I was in, I have felt entitled before in competitions, uh, like, you know, a decade ago when I first got into it, I thought I'm good enough. I know all the movements, this judge is wrong, you know, mm-hmm. and like, it doesn't matter who's right or wrong in the moment, you're getting no reps and right. you have to fix it. And if you battle that, you're just gonna lose. So I think controlling your effort and making sure that you're still just doing your absolute best in the moment is the best way to handle things that are outside of your control. So, you know, to summarize, that's 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 what that means to me. Right. And that's something that fascinates me about about CrossFit competitions and the CrossFit games is that I mean, we can be super used to and accustomed to doing things in our gym that we're used to working out in, but then all of a sudden you and the other CrossFit Games athletes are in a different place, in a unknown and unknowable environment and and doing things that maybe you haven't done in quite a while or ever if it's a brand new movement. And 
and that ability to adapt and that being a crucial part of fitness, the ability to adapt and overcome physical challenges as you are faced with them. And I think that translates yeah. so well into mental health as well and being able to adapt to whatever challenge is right in front of you and not run from it, but face it head on and overcome it and grow from doing that yeah yeah definitely and i mean i think that comes back to helping athletes get exposed or practice that scenario in the moment more often and i think mm -hmm. you know we see that a lot in the sport where athletes crush it in open and quarterfinal type qualifiers where they have full control over right. all circumstances and environment and then they go to in-person comp and they're just like completely underperformed and that's not me making fun of anyone, but it's just like, look, that's a reality of you get too comfortable in your own environment and maybe mm -hmm. you need to surround yourself with people that push you a little more, more honest with you, mess with you a little bit, give you no reps, change things up. You need to mm -hmm. get out of your own gym and do different equipment. And I think you, I just see athletes thrive when they actually do that and take advantage of that. Mm. So what is the biggest lesson you've learned through fitness? Yeah. Um, well, I'll expand on it, but I've learned that it's really important to me. Um, mm. And I'm talking about fitness, not necessarily competition. I could talk mm. about that as well. But right. fitness itself, when I say fitness, I mean like the health of my body. The state that my body is in is how I experience life. Mm. And if my body is not in a good state of health, my experience, my life experience is really poor. Mm. You know, I'm grumpy. I'm not excited. I'm unfulfilled. I don't feel like, like I can play, be creative. I'm not my cognitive functions poor so right. like I feel like training and maintaining good health and fitness is so important because it improves how I feel about the daily the things I do daily in life mm -hmm. and again like when I say the difference from that and like sport sport sacrifices that sometimes you know like there's moments when I'm training for sport or for competition and it might be improved it might be decreasing my quality of life in a way where sleep is compromised my joints hurt but mm -hmm it's for pursuit and a quest that I'm on. So that's a little different and that there's meaning behind the suffering, but going back to just the fitness side of it, when I'm not questing or when I'm not focusing on a competition or peaking for something, um, my training is, is supporting and supplementing my body feeling very good. And mm. sometimes that means hard workouts because we all know that like euphoric type feeling you get, either running high mm. that you get from mm. high intensity work. And, uh, I'm not saying that, uh, I don't I don't believe that training should just be super easy all the time. I think that dealing with some stresses and shifting the continuum on pain and pleasure on a daily basis, you know, having contrast in things you do is really important to health and longevity and uh, allowing my brain to shift through different phases of states that it's in so that I can feel more creative and sharp and kind of in the moment and experience things better. Where going back to the comp the competitive side, I mean, there's times when, you know, I'm in the moment training for a competition. We're two weeks out, you know, about to start a taper and my body is absolutely wrecked and I'm doubting why I'm doing this. And I'm, is this, is this even important to me anymore? But once I get through it and, and deal with it in the moment, I realize how important competition is for me because questing and training is just so valuable. And I think you learn so much about yourself and you build stories. And I think the older I get, the more I realize how important it is for me to do things that have meaning to me and mm. to get rid of things that, that do not, you know, mm. time is just becoming more and more limited. I've got my second child on the way. So 
I think my biggest fear is to like look back and know that my son saw me doing things that I wasn't excited to do or weren't fulfilling. And mm. the fact or the thought that he could see that and that could influence him to live his life, life that way scares the crap out of me. So, mm. you know, uh, fitness challenges, whether it be crop training for CrossFit games or just setting new PRs in the gym, I think are just like the center of what I do. And I think that's why it's so important. Well, I'm glad you found this thing and I'm, that you enjoy so deeply and I'm glad you're pursuing it because I think a lot of people have something that really excites them and that they really enjoy but put it off for something else that maybe they don't enjoy so much so yeah well let's I think go you can just have a, I mean you can listen to yourself talk or ask someone to give right. you an assessment but if you're someone who's constantly I have to go do this or mm -hmm. you know I'm not super fired up about going into this or whatever like if you're saying those things on a regular basis I get it on occasion you got to do things you don't want to do right. that's just part of life sometimes but if it's a daily thing and you're you're complaining more about things you're not excited to do versus being uh, sharing excitement about things you mm. want to do then I think you need to reevaluate what it is you do on a daily basis mm. well I think that's a great place for us to wrap up thank you for coming on again Mike absolutely man that's fun appreciate you having me Hey everyone, hope you enjoyed the episode. You can follow along with Counseling and Functional Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. You can contact me by emailing counselingandfunctionalfitness at gmail.com or by messaging Counseling and Functional Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. See you next time.